Welcome to HB Media Minute, a podcast from Haynes & Boone that focuses on legal trends impacting the media and entertainment industry, intellectual property, and First Amendment law. Today, we're going to talk about domain name cyber squatting, which has been around since the internet became relevant to businesses in the 1990s. As many of our listeners know, cyber squatting is the unauthorized registration of an internet domain name, usually involving a well-known company or brand with a bad faith intent to profit from the goodwill established by the actual trademark owner. Various legal tools have been created to help brand owners fight back against cyber squatting, but the practice nonetheless continues and has likely only increased due to the low cost of acquiring domain names. Today, we're going to talk about what legal options are available to brand owners to deal with this nuisance. And we're joined by an excellent guide today, Haynes & Boone trademark partner, Jeff Becker, who founded the firm's trademark practice and has grown it into one of the largest and most highly respected in the country. The firm's trademark practice group is ranked as national gold, the top tier in world trademark reviews, WTR 1000 directory of leading trademark practices. Before we get started, our disclaimer, this podcast is for informational purposes only, is not intended to be legal advice, and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. So with that, housekeeping aside, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nathan. I really look forward to talking about one of the main scourges for brand owners, the always present cyber squatter. Um, as, as I understand it, there are three main legal tools that brand owners can use to deal with cyber squatters, and I believe they go by the acronyms ACPA, UDRP, and URS, which I know you will explain in short order. So I look forward to you guiding us through this legal landscape. Sure, and uh, welcome to the alphabet soup of the world of domain names. But before I get into those legal tools, often the quickest way to deal with a malicious cyber squatter is to simply email their ISP. You can figure out who the cyber squatter is using as its ISP using free online ISP trackers. If the cyber squatter is sending out clearly malicious emails or has obviously malicious content on their website, simply providing it to the uh, the ISP can often result in the ISP taking down the site and suspending the email service immediately without ever needing to hire a lawyer. Of course, the cyber squatter can just engage a new ISP and continue their bad acts. So for the longer term solution, the three tools you mentioned, the ACPA, the UDRP, and the URS can force a transfer of the domain name over to the brand owner, or at least have the domain name suspended so that no one can use it. So we'll talk about those quick tools. Uh, quick Before we get going, Jeff, I'm just curious, if you're a brand owner, how, how do they normally know that, that there is a cyber squatter? Do they get an email or do they have automatic tracking to, to, to know about it? Or, or do they use, is there some sort of ransom letter of sorts that alerts them to, to cyber squatting? So there are lots of tools out there, um, but I, I would say primarily the way it comes up is because one of their customers notices it or someone at the company gets an email or happens to find a malicious uh, website uh, by on a Google search. Got it. Okay. Uh, that's usually how it comes up. There are watching services uh, and there are ways to get noticed that, that we can talk about. Got it. Thanks. So let's talk about the, each of the tools. So first of all, the ACPA. It is the Anti-Cyber Squatting Consumer Protection Act. This is actually an amendment to the federal trademark statute that was entered back in 1999 
to give brand owners an effective way of suing cyber squatters in federal court. Not only can the judge force the domain name transfer to the brand owner, but the judge can actually fine the cyber squatter up to $100,000 per domain name and also force them to pay the brand owner's legal fees. And many, many judges have actually awarded that maximum $100,000 fine. That's quite a remedy. Wow. Yes. The UDRP is the Uniform Domain Name Dispute Resolution Policy. It was also created in 1999, but by ICANN, that's the international organization that actually oversees the internet. Unlike the ACPA, which is filed in a federal court, the UDRP is a virtual online proceeding decided by an arbitrator. No money can be awarded, but the domain name can be transferred to the brand owner. And over the last 22 years, over 90% of UDRP proceedings have resulted in the brand owner actually obtaining the domain name registered by the cyber squatter. The final tool, the URS, it's the Uniform Rapid Suspension System. It was also created by ICANN, but only for very clear-cut cases of cyber squatting in the new GTLD domain names that started appearing in 2013. These new GTLDs, those are domain names where the .com has been replaced with things like .xyz or .online or .shop. You may have seen these starting to go live over the last few years. The brand owner is not able to obtain the domain name in a URS, but it is a quicker and easier process to have the domain name suspended than through a UDRP or ACPA proceeding. And brand owners, they've been winning over 93% of URS proceedings. That's interesting. So of, of these three tools, and again, it's the, you, you, you described the ACPA, the UDRP, and then the last one being the URS, which of those is the most commonly used by brand owners to remedy this? By far, it's the UDRP. There have been over 68,000 UDRP complaints filed with just the two largest providers that handle them. And note that each complaint can actually cover multiple domain names registered by the same cyber squatter. Sometimes there's hundreds of them. Compare those 68,000 UDRP complaints to the measly 1,300 URF complaints filed with the two largest URS providers. So URS complaints only comprise about 2% of the total. Why this huge difference, you may ask? Um, Well, first, the UDRP has been around for many more years than the URS. But I I think the real difference is that the URS cannot be used for .com domain names, which is still by far the preferred type of domain names registered by cyber squatters. Remember that the URS was created to address the new GTLDs like .shop and .online, While some of the older GTLD registries have since adopted the URS as an option, most notably .org, .org, the .com registry has not. So the URS is not an option to suspend a .com domain name. And another primary reason is that the UDRP is preferred over the URS is that remember that the brand owner cannot get ownership of the domain name under the URS as it can under the URP. Under the URS, the domain name only gets prevented from being used by anybody. So you've alluded to it here, but how would you describe then the, the, the say, the pros and cons of these various methods? Let's, let's maybe start with the URS again. Sure. Um, its pros are that it's the quickest and the least costly. Uh, it only takes about 20 days to go from filing to decision. The filing fee is only 375 bucks, and the complaint is limited to 500 words, which keeps the legal fees to a minimum. Yeah. 
It's cons. Well, as I mentioned, the domain name is only suspended as opposed to being transferred to the brand owner, and it's not currently available for .com domain name. And one quick question. For all these methods, is it always the case that a brand owner has legal representation or would be well advised to, to hire a lawyer to help them with this? Um, I do. I do. Well, obviously, for the ACPA, if you're filing a, a federal court action, you definitely need a lawyer. Um, but I would also highly recommend getting a lawyer for both URS and the UDRP. Um, they can be complicated. There are even law firms that mess up in getting all of the procedures right and getting the evidence on file. Thanks for for that. So the UDRP, what's what are the main pros there with that method? Sure. Well, the main is the speed of actually getting the domain name transferred to the brand owner. Um, it only takes about two months, uh, but there are other pros as well. What, you know, one an often overlooked pro of filing a UDRP is that it pierces through the privacy services that are used by cyber squatters to hide their identity. These days, when you look up the who is for a domain name, that's the online database that lists all registered domains and who owns them. The registrant name, the contact information, it's almost always hidden. But within just a few days of filing a UDRP complaint, the name and the contact information for the cyber squatter are actually provided to the brand owner. The main con of the URP is that it does cost a few thousand dollars more than the URS. Thanks for that. And we'll get to the ACPA here uh, in a a second. But with the UDRP, I'm I'm just curious, is that proceeding before an administrative tribunal or is it all virtual or do you actually go to do you litigate that in person? It is all virtual. It's an online proceeding. There's uh, about half a dozen providers that offer the service and they're the normal type of arbitration panels that have been set up throughout the world. Um, And you file an online complaint. um, And then when you file it, you can actually decide, do you want to have a single person, a single arbitrator, or do you want a panel of three? Uh, the cost goes up with three, uh, and um, for the vast majority, and we just use a single arbitrator. So, uh, not to get too off topic, but, but for sort of bigger, maybe a bigger dollar or uh, you, you know dispute, you might go with a three arbitrator panel. Is that? Um, you know, initially there were some panelists that were a little bit more anti-brand owner. And so we were often concerned that if we just pick one panelist, we may get one of those anti-brand owner panelists. Uh, but over over the years, it, that, that has become less of a concern. Um, so there still are some cases where if we, if we think it's a questionable case, uh, we may want to go with three just to, to, to help us out a little bit. So what about the ACPA? What are, what are the pros and cons with, with that method? And it's harder to get kind of statistics on the ACPA and how many are, are really filed because it's um, they get they're much more complicated cases. They get commingled with other counts like trademark infringement and other bad acts by the cyber squatter. Uh, but in general, in my personal practice, I probably file one ACPA for every ten or twenty U- UR, uh, UDRPs. Um, but the main pro is that you can get money, right? You can actually get a monetary award against the cyber squatters. I mentioned it's up to $100,000 per domain name and legal fees. Now, that's only relevant if, you know, the cyber squatter is, is uh, you know, within the jurisdiction of the United States or someplace that you can get them and they have the money. Um, another huge significant pro of the ACPA, though, um, is that you can file it even when the domain name was registered before the brand owner ever even acquired legal rights in its mark. 
And you can't do that for either the UDRP or the URS. So let me step back a little bit on that. It's, you know, for the, for the brand owner to win a UDRP or URS, they are required to prove that their legal trademark rights, they predated the cyber squad or registering the domain name. But to win an ACPA case, the brand owner only has to prove that the domain name is currently being used in bad faith by the cyber squatter, even though that the cyber squatter may have owned it for years before the brand owner ever started using its trademark. We, we see that a lot where a cyber squatter has registered a domain name and just let it, left it dormant. You know, it wasn't a cyber squatting when they registered it. It was just kind of a attractive domain name, but they never did anything with it. And, and would that be an indicator of bad faith in this context? No, exactly. And that's the problem with uh, winning a UDRP or URS because it's not bad faith to register a domain name if the trademark owner hasn't adopted the mark yet. But in an ACPA case, what, what, often hap- well, what often happens is that domain name has been dormant for years, but then the cyber squatter they make it. They have it go live with a simple kind of placeholder website, which often has advertising links. Because of the way the internet works, and to maximize the value of those advertising links, over time they start looking like the brand owner. They start talking about the brand owner, or they start having advertising links to competitors of the brand owner. So suddenly, this innocently registered domain name. It's now being used in bad faith. So you can't file a UDRP and URS and win that one, but you can win that in an ACPA. And I'm, I'm just curious, I don't know if you can broadly profile who are, who are cyber squatters. Is it usually lone wolves or are there businesses that do this? Um, uh, it is, there are definitely businesses that do this. Uh, they make a lot of money off of this, um, but it's also just innocent people. Uh, I, um, people think that uh, they hear about getting money on, on advertising income, uh, click your advertising, and they just go out and they register it and they try to make money. Um, yeah. so it's, it's really across the board. So I, I'm curious, I, I mean, is discretion would ever the better part of valor here? Might, might there be an instance where a brand owner says, you know, I'm just going to take no action, uh, against the cyber squatter. Uh, definitely. Um, I, I would say the vast majority of domain names uh, that are registered by cyber squatters, even, they're never actually used for any bad purpose. They never launch a website. They never send out malicious emails. They just hold on to them as part of a portfolio. It, sometimes the cyber squatters, they don't even know that what they own because they have a very automated process of registering domain names, acquiring portfolios of domain names, and it's just sitting there being unused. So in those cases, we recommend that the brand owner just monitor it and take no action um, until the website actually goes live or they start receiving word of uh, malicious emails. That makes sense. Um, so, so taking together, are, are these legal tools that you've talked about so far, are they sufficient to address this, this nuisance or do you think we need additional regulation to, to make life easier for brand owners? Well, uh, the existing tools, they are very useful in forcing the transfer of a malicious domain name. As I, as I mentioned earlier, brand owners win 90% of UDRPs, 93% URSs, and those are just unheard of success rates in legal proceedings, right? Um, to get those success rates, we do encourage brand owners to take some steps, right, to prepare themselves. 
All brands should be registering their primary brands with the trademark office. They should also be registering those trademark registrations with something called the Trademark Clearinghouse that was also created by ICANN. You asked me earlier about how do brand owners get notice of these? Well, if you register your trademark registration with the Trademark Clearinghouse, the brand owner will be given notice immediately if anyone registered a domain name that includes their trademark. So that's a good thing to be doing. And we mentioned some watching services. Uh, Namedroppers.com is a free one that, that they can go to, and there's lots of paid services. But the problem is these legal tools, they're doing nothing to keep the cyber squatters from continuing their bad acts. You noticed, you, know, you mentioned earlier how cheap it is to register a domain name. So they're still going out and registering them, right? I think it's actually getting worse, not better, even though brand owners have these great tools. Um, currently, we're actually seeing like anytime a TV program is launched on any type of platform these days, or especially when, when one of the new streaming services announced, we immediately see cyber squatters registering dozens of confusing domain names. And ICANN is currently working towards the launch of hundreds or maybe even thousands of new GTLDs. And that's only going to give cyber squatters that many more options to do bad. So in my view, we need to come up with new mechanisms that actually prevent cyber squatting up front, as opposed to only having these tools to use on the back end. Do you think that's possible or is, I don't know if it's even being discussed, uh, that, that kind of uh, you know, extra enforcement mechanism? I do not think it's going to happen with ICANN. Yeah. Um, I was involved with ICANN and their rulemaking process for many years, and uh, there's a very strong free speech, for lack of a better term, kind of component within the ICANN community that believe that um, anyone should be able to get a domain name uh, first come, first serve for a new reason. And this, you you talked about the registration process that that's uh, important for brand owners to do. Is that is that a pretty straightforward thing to do? Do you do you usually need legal representation to handle that registration? You do not. Uh, you do not need legal representation to go to the trademark office and get your trademark registered. Although if you've got a, a large portfolio, I, you will definitely be better served by having a trademark lawyer helping you with that. But the second step, registering your trademark registration with the ICANN trademark clearinghouse, mm-hmm. you definitely do not need a lawyer to do that. That's just a simple, you upload the trademark registration, provide some contact information, uh, and clients can do that themselves. Great, Jeff. Very, very helpful. Any other points you want to make before we sign off? Uh, no. Uh, this has been. I hope this has been helpful to our customers and our clients and anyone. If you have any questions about uh, cyber squatting, you know, people are welcome to reach out to me or any of the other 30 trademark lawyers we have here at the firm. Great, Jeff. Thank you so much. Um, before we sign off, I'd like to remind everyone that you can find our podcasts and other interesting content from our IP media and entertainment practices at HanesBoon.com. And also a heads up that you can find this podcast and other Haynes and Mood podcasts on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode of HB Media Minute.